Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. Well, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome everybody that's watching online as we launch our second location here in Fort Worth from Pittsburgh. If you're watching in Pittsburgh, uh, we're going to simulcast tomorrow's miracle service. The first weekend of every month is spiritual emphasis. And we do a miracle service on Friday night, which is geared for people who need ministry for their bodies, cancer, stage four cancer, those types of things. The last miracle service that we did, there was a man that had a tumor that had grown on the back of his head and it deafened his ear. So obviously it did something with his auditory nerve and uh, the tumor was gone when he woke up Saturday and ear open hearing. So when we say miracles, that's what I mean. So if you would, you know, I had no intention, uh, and I'm not saying this is the right way to do things, but I basically lay low when I'm going to preach at night and I don't leave the house too much. And today I, I met with people and then I needed, I ran out of clothes because I didn't have a chance to repack from last week. So I, I picked up some clothes, you know, in, in three shops, I had people open up to me. Uh, one was when they found out I was a pastor Two, not even knowing I, I, I was a preacher. You know, I have this problem. And then people without even uh, saying anything about God or me being a pastor, I, I'm just hoping God does something. That might not stand out to you, but I'm from the Northeast, so I'm not used to people bringing up Christianity and uh, asking for prayer and praying with people in shops. And I'm telling you, uh, for better or for worse, I in no way set out to do that. I was looking to buy clothes. My goal in being there was to buy clothes, have my credit card not be declined, and then go home and wear the clothes. And you can see that people are really hurting. Can you say Amen. And so where, where is that solution going to come from? If you'll just take a careful evaluation right now of who's already opened up to you this week or in the last six weeks and told you about a diagnosis they have. One guy told me today, he said, I raised all three of my kids in church and I sent them off to university and none of them are serving the Lord now. And I really would like them to come back home to the Lord. And uh, I prayed with them right there in the store that God would do a miracle and bring their kids back. So all I want you to do is think of somebody. You know, I'm not going to be uh, give you some unrealistic expectation. I mean, we could all bring 25 people tomorrow night. I want you just to find somebody you know that's opened up to you about help that they need. And I'm saying that because that's why we do a special Friday night service. It's because not every Sunday morning can be healing and miracles and prayer. There's other things to cover in the Bible. But there needs to be something given to people that are suffering and dying like Jesus did. And so that service is consecrated for that tomorrow night. So I announced that we're going to do both services at the same time. When I got in the car, I remembered we're in a different time zone here. So if you're watching in Pittsburgh, my wife's going to take it from the beginning and go till about, we're going to start a little earlier tomorrow uh, from the music. We're only going to do about 20 minutes of praise and worship. And then I'm going to take over from my wife. And we're going to do it both places at once. And there's going to be people in Pittsburgh position to pray with you um, that have come that are sick. And then here in Texas, I'll be with you. And we're going to have, the devil's going to have an extremely bad night tomorrow night. If you believe that, can you say amen? amen. Saturday night is our communion service. And um, then Sunday morning, I'll be at Revival Today Church in Pittsburgh in the morning, 10 a.m. there, 9 a.m. here. And uh, we'll have our second service, everything live here, and do it just like we did in reverse Last week, then Sunday night, we pick up week two. I'll be back at seven o'clock. Uh, I would say Lord willing, but the whole thing was his idea. So I'm just going to say I'll be back at seven o'clock. 
I want you, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to John chapter 14. John the 14th chapter. Since people are feeling free to attack faith, healing, miracles, and prosperity, and teaching against it for $300 a person, I wanted to take some time and teach on what the Bible has to say about faith, healing, miracles, whether you want to call it blessing or prosperity. And uh, when I preach on this stuff, I have a little bit of my heart in it because my dad is a preacher. And um, my father made $4,000 his first year in full-time ministry. I've noticed since that time, if you don't believe in the blessing of God or, or find, if you don't understand the financial end, that's the first area the devil will use to choke you out of the ministry. It's got to be in the thousands or tens of thousands of people who had a great heart, went to Bible school, loved God, really wanted to see people saved, but they didn't understand the money element of the Bible, the Jehovah Jireh element. Remember, God defined who he was. He didn't say, I'm God and sometimes I provide. He said, I am El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. You can testify to that. Can you say a loud amen? And then, so God, that's not something God does. That's who God is. When God's on the scene, there's no run out or lack of provision. He didn't say, I'm God, and sometimes in my sovereign will, I choose to heal. He said, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that heals you. And if there was ever a time, I wish I could have recorded what people had to say to me in shops today. I mean, again, I've only been in Texas for five days, so maybe for you it's normal. But to hear shop owners... And, and people in men's stores selling sport coats or whatever say, uh, you know, I don't know. I, the one guy said, where do you pastor? I told him where the building is. He said, is it a spirit-filled church? I'm not used to anybody talking like that outside of my house. I said, it is a spirit-filled church. He said, good, because that's the only solution for what's in America. He started talking. I felt encouraged when I left there. You know, he said with the fentanyl problem and the heroin problem, what, what are you going to do to help people if you don't believe in the Holy Spirit? This is an older tailor that tailors suits. And when I, when I heard that, I took it as an encouragement. Number one, if the devil's going out of his way to attack the move of the Holy Ghost, then that lets you know one thing right up front. It's time to preach it. It's time to raise up a few hundred people that are full of the Holy Ghost and take a second run. I firmly believe tonight that whether life has bottomed out for you, something's gone wrong. We took the whole night on it last night. If something went south and your plans failed and it feels like life's over. My father, who I brought up, used to sing a song. When you've got nothing left but God, you've got enough to start again. Dr. Mike, write that. I think that, yeah, Dr. Mike Murdoch wrote that right here in Texas. When you've got nothing left but God, You've got enough to start again. You know when that, the man that wrote that song, graduated Bible school, started off in the ministry, and five years in, his wife took off and left and divorced him. If your wife divorced you as a minister in the 1980s, it was over. You might, you might, as, well, you might as well come out as a homosexual or whatever. You're done. You might as well rob a bank on your, on your way out of divorce court. Nobody would have anything to do with you. And he's sitting at his table with a bed sheet up as a blind in his apartment, and the Lord gave him the words to a song. When you've got nothing left but God, you've got enough to start again. God didn't bring you to these meetings to frustrate you. Every man and woman that's here, God has a 
and I'm not, I know this sounds cliche. God has a plan for your life to be a part of this last day move of God. God's going to touch you tonight. You're going to get on that track and you're going to run your race and receive your prize in Jesus' mighty name. Go ahead. If you believe it, celebrate it ahead of time. John chapter 14. Now, the person who's speaking here is somebody that I consider one of the foremost experts in Christianity. His name is Jesus. He didn't go to seminary or anything, but he has, personally, I feel like he has many great thoughts. John 14, 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's home, there's more than enough room. If it were not so, I would have told you plainly. But I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I'm going. Everybody say, that time's almost here. When you have the Catholic Church making open statements, now you think about 10 years back, and I'm not picking on, uh, well, I am, I'm, I am picking on the Catholic Church, but if you stay all week, I'll pick on everybody just to even it out. When you have where it used to come out that the Pope had said positive comments about same-sex unions, and he would say, no, what, you know, that was taken out of context. They would at least deny it 10 years ago. Now you have it coming straight out that the Catholic Church, along with the Presbyterian Church, Methodist Church, how many do you want to name off? Church of England, Anglican, that every one of these prophecies that my dad preached growing up that seemed impossible, that there'll be a great falling away. Jesus said, when you see that happen, he didn't say, get mad, post about it on Facebook. He said, look up for your redemption draws nigh. Every time one of those news stories breaks, it should put an urgency in your spirit that Jesus is coming soon. I have a mansion waiting for me in heaven, but until I go there, there's work to do here on the earth. When everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am and you know where I'm going. You know, doubting Thomas, he was listening and he said, um, we have no idea what you're talking about. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way, a truth, and a life. The way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe, say that with me. Say, the Father who's in me does his work through me. Now, when you get into the message of faith, that's like uh, a, a foundational, I won't say it's the foundational principle, but it is a foundational principle that God's not sovereignly working outside of people. I mean, you know, I just believe a great wave of healing is going to come across America. Yes, in a sense it will, in that people are going to get full of the revelation of the Word of God, preach it, and minister to the sick. 
But it's a cop-out to say that I just believe God. How many know God's going to do something in Texas that's bigger than us? He doesn't need us. Amen. That's a cop-out that's got the, the church in the United States and the nation into the shape it's in. That this view that if God wants to heal, he can heal. You're going to find very few people in Christianity, our, our friends in the different denominations, there's very few that will outright say God can never heal. No, God doesn't heal anybody anytime for any reason. There's almost nobody that's going to say that. What they say is God's sovereign, and if he wants to do it, he can do it, but you can't expect him to do it. They always are putting it out here. How many know God's going to save Texas and God's up in heaven going, no, I'm not doing one other thing. I already sent my only son to die on the cross and now it's your job. How can they call on him whom they've never heard? How can they hear unless somebody goes and tells them? We have a responsibility to carry out the redemption plan of Christ. So Jesus gave us an example. He wasn't up on a mountain praying. Lord, just release your healing glory on the crowds today. He taught, Matthew chapter 9, Jesus having compassion on the crowds, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. Their problems were so great, and they didn't know where to go for help. Matthew 9, 35 to 38. And he taught, then preached, then healed. Taught, then preached, then healed. Say a word with me. Demonstration. Yeah, you don't just speak. That's another thing. That's got the country into the shape it's in. As nice as it would be, and as much money as it would save on dry cleaning, to just speak and close in prayer, you're not going to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or the book of Acts, that Peter finished preaching and prayed, Lord, bless us and give us traveling mercies as we head our separate ways. You're not going to see anything like that. They taught, Jesus taught, then preached. Then the Bible says, then people would start to come to him. Sir, I have leprosy. I know if you want to, you can heal me and make me clean. And Jesus said, I want to, and healed him. A man who was born blind called out to him. Then you go into the book of Acts. As Paul preached, Acts chapter 14, a man who had been crippled in his feet from birth, Acts 14, 8 through 11, was listening as Paul preached. And when he heard him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. Where did he get the faith from? Whatever Paul was preaching about Christ was not just you can go to heaven. It was letting people know you don't have to be bound, tormented, sick, or oppressed. And a man heard him and said, I believe him. And when Paul heard some, he said, stand up. And immediately the man stood up and started walking. There is not just to be teaching and speaking. There is to be demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. You're going to have that in this church. Revival Today Church is not just a talking church. It's a church that contends for the moving of God's Spirit. Somebody say demonstration. I'm in the Father, and the Father does His work through me. The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does His work through me. John 14, 11. Just believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work that you've seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me. This is a tr tough verse to get around. If you believe miracles died out in the first century. I tell you the truth. The first 12 apostles that believe in me will do the same works I have done. If it said that, then I would acquiesce and just close after 30 minutes and 
do whatever else you're supposed to do. But that's not what Jesus said. I believe there was a whole, uh, the Holy Spirit was given to the 12 apostles. There weren't even in the first century. The Holy Spirit was not poured out on the first 12 apostles. There was 120 in the upper room. We don't know how many were there when the Holy Spirit was poured out, but it was poured out every man, woman, child, senior that was there. They all received the Holy Spirit. And when they heard them speaking in tongues, Peter didn't say, this is a one-time thing. We're sorry for making so much noise. He actually included it in the first salvation message. This promise is to you and your children and to those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God would call. And what did Jesus say? I tell you the truth. John 14, 12. Anyone. Anybody say, that means me. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to the Father. Oh man, as strong as that is, it gets stronger. You can ask for anything in my name and I might do it. Very good. I will do it. You can ask for anything in my name. You know, I was preaching that one time at a Pentecostal church. Pentecostals are great people. I grew up with them. I am one of them. But they had a weakness, and their weakness was they believed in the power of God. They believed in the Holy Spirit. They believed in speaking in tongues. They believed in healing. But they, they had a light regard for the Word of God. That's why, if you've been following me since we started the church in Pittsburgh, I told you what the Lord spoke to me to do. Marry the commitment to the Word of the Word of Faith movement. The passion of the Holy Ghost and demonstration of the Spirit of the Pentecostals and the relentless, tireless commitment to soul winning of the Southern Baptist Church. And that threefold cord will not be broken. Can you say amen? amen? So when you would say something and start preaching faith, you know, I'd be in my, in my late 20s and an older pastor, you know, who, who meant well, I'm sure. He'd say, you know, when you preach tonight, you said that we can ask anything. No, number one, I didn't say it. I just shouted what Jesus said. And Jesus didn't misspeak. It's not like Jesus went back to rest after he was done speaking and said, you know, I probably should have gone a little easier. No, the words I speak, I don't speak anything of my own. They're the words my father gives me. You can ask for anything in my name. So this guy, it was in Plattsburgh, New York. He said, and he's a good guy. He said, uh, you know, the way you preach, you said people could ask for anything. What if somebody asked for their neighbor to die? Well, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that you had a church full of psychopaths. I thought I was speaking to intelligent, like human beings, not characters from forensic files. Amen. Or a room full of witches. No, obviously that's taken in the context of asking anything in line with the will of God. And I'm telling you as a Pentecostal, that's where Pentecostals missed it. Yes, that's true, but how many of you know you have to ask it in, in his will? But then they'd add something to it. They'd either by tone of voice or outright tell you, almost like God's will's not knowable. We can ask things, and some of you can complete this sentence, and it's nowhere in the Bible. Sometimes God says, sometimes God says, and sometimes God says. So we have to remember, yes, we ask. But God has different ways of answering. We might want God to heal our kidneys that are failing, but he might instead send the miracle of a butterfly. 
That's how people talk. Because then you excuse yourself from the miracle ministry. And you, be, you deaden people's faith. Then you don't have to pray for people. Then you can just you know, shut all that down, have a nice clean 70-minute service, and go to lunch. But that's not what Jesus… What did he say? This is not my take on things. This is the message that rocked America in the 1940s, 1950s, 1960s. Shook. Some of you, the reason you're sitting here tonight is this message got a hold of your father or your mother or your family, and it brought you out of alcohol and abuse and destroyed that power. Not by a 30-day program, by the power of the Holy Ghost. This generation needs to have an encounter with that power in Jesus' name. I agree that you can only ask for things in, 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 the, in, the, in line with God's will. But my difference is word of faith. Baptist. You know, these, these things all came out of the same root. The only problem is the old group fights the new group the hardest. So you had Baptists. Great people, still great people. That didn't go over well, but I stick by what I said. We need to win the lost. We need to tell everybody about Jesus. Have big missions board, sending everybody stowed away on steamships to the four corners of the earth. All over America built churches. Then as they got hungry, see here's the problem. No matter what you believe on paper, this is the problem that people have always run into. It's a good problem. When people get hungry for more of God, they get filled with the Holy Ghost. And signs and wonders start happening. And then they get called into meetings by the executive presbytery. Excuse me. You know where that happened? Where I'm from in Pittsburgh. It's why I've had an easy time starting a church in Pittsburgh. Because in Duquesne University in downtown Pittsburgh, some nuns started getting hungry for more of God. And they started having a prayer meeting and they started getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then the priest came to see what the deal was. They started getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. Catherine Coleman started coming in and preaching to them and they would rent the Presbyterian church and the Presbyterians would come. So when I'm sitting in Pittsburgh, Presbyterians, Catholics, Assemblies of God don't make any difference. Everybody in that city knows the Holy Spirit doesn't belong to one group. He belongs to anybody that's hungry and will let them themselves be filled and used by him. Baptist. Then some of those people got hungry. They got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And so they got kicked out of their old churches. That's where Church of God in Christ, Assemblies of God, they just start, they had to start their own fellowships because they weren't welcome in the other fellowships. Well, then out of the Assemblies of God comes a Texas pastor named Kenneth Hagin who gets this novel idea that God's will is not mysterious. God's will is knowable because God's word is God's will. In McKinney, Texas, 15 years old and paralyzed. I was preaching about this last night. You take about any one of those great faith preachers, they all had tuberculosis, some kind of awful disease. And when they conquered it by faith, that victory they won, the Lord then said, now go and tell everybody what I've done and tell them the power that's in the word. And God used them to set their generation free. And I'm telling you, the same thing that happened before is happening right now. You're not only going to get free from your problem, God's going to raise you up in the Holy Ghost to tell people, not only do I know what you're going through, 
through. I was you. And what Jesus did for me, he'll do for you by his word. Gets, gets himself by faith off of his deathbed. As you've heard him tell the story, most of you, with his grandmother's Methodist Bible, reading it, and he stumbles on Mark 11, 22 through 24. You can speak to the mountain and tell it to move, and it will obey your command. And he gets up off the deathbed, and then the Lord tells him, now go and teach my people faith. Well, what happened when he did it? Oh, that's that name it and claim it stuff. Yeah, you can name what God said and claim it for your life, exactly as the Bible says. No, God heals as he wills, not as we will. Bull crap. Shouldn't say that in church. I cleaned it up for church. Horse manure, it's from hell. It's to deaden people's faith. We're having a miracle service tomorrow night. I've already gotten texts. I get them coming up to every first Friday. I'm bringing so-and-so with stage four cancer. What do, what do they need to hear? What does God, read in John 14, what would be your idea of what I should preach to them? How many of you are here with cancer tonight? Well, some of you God may heal. Some of you will get your healing in heaven. Who did Jesus ever tell that to? Jesus saw men who had been crippled for 38 years. And when he saw him and knew how long he had been that way, he said to him, would you like to get well? And the man said, I can't, sir, for I have no one to help me. And Jesus said, that's right. But one day you'll dance on streets of gold. No. Say with me what the Bible says in Hebrews 11. Say now faith is. Yeah, you can't have faith for yesterday. I wish I would have heard this 10 years ago. Well, you, can't, you didn't. And you can't have faith for tomorrow. Faith takes it now. Would you like to get well? I don't have anybody to help me. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And immediately, say that word with me, immediately. The man picked up his mat and started walking. That's how Jesus ministered. He didn't tell blind people, one day you'll see, one day you'll see things too marvelous to tell. No. He didn't say that. He opened their eyes. I'll tell you what the Bible said. They brought unto him all the sick, and no matter what their sickness or what their disease, Matthew 8, 16 and 17, or if they were possessed by evil spirits, he healed them all. A-L-L, -L, every last one of them. There was nobody they brought Jesus that he told them, now's not your time. This is your season of attack, but a season of healing will come. He didn't tell anybody, wait. Now listen, I'm going to be back in Capernaum in 13 months. But this is not your time. They brought unto him all the sick. And no matter what their sickness or what their disease, he healed them all. That's, that's the word of faith movement in a nutshell. Not just does God has power to heal. That God's, say with me, God's word is his will. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. Anything you're believing for. If you can find that God promised it to you in the Bible, you can, you can take it. So yeah, some people took the faith message and went nuts with it, but some people are just nuts regardless of what message they have. My grandfather called them granola Christians, fruits, flakes, and nuts. Yeah, I know. I know you have people that claim somebody else's wife by faith. The Lord spoke to me. She's my wife. That guy's already married to her. Well, I'm claiming her by faith. 
You don't have any scriptures for that. And if you do that in Texas, you're going to end up with a cavity in your chest. Can you say amen? Yeah, you, you can't help. There's a guy, you know, you can't help it. People are nuts. You don't change what you believe because some people, their elevator doesn't go to the top floor. There's a guy I know. He's a good guy. He went to Bible college. He posted on Facebook today. I'm going to be a billionaire by the end of October. I wrote on the comment underneath, is there a way to bet the under? Not happening. You're nuts. You don't even have a thousand dollars. You won't even know where to put a billion dollars. What are you going to do? Put it in your checking account? Like to deposit a billion dollars. No, there's always been those kind of people. There will always be those kind of people. They're called feeble minded people. And the Bible says, comfort the feeble minded. I've done my best to do that. Sometimes I've, I've come up short, like today. Sometimes, sometimes I, I don't, but keep me in prayer. Amen. No, just because there's nuts people. I claim every oil well in the state of Texas. Okay, you're cuckoo. But I'm going to tell you, just because there's morons doesn't mean you have to let that affect your faith. I can find God's plan for my life. I can find what God's word promised me. I can believe it in my heart. I can confess it with my mouth. And I can have what God said is mine. There's many people here tonight. You can testify to that. That you got a hold of the word. Begin to believe it and confess it. And God began to turn things around. These are 21 days of breakthroughs and turnarounds. You're going to see the best miracles that you've ever seen for yourself for your family, for your children, and there's nothing the devil can do about it. If you believe it, can you say amen? I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me, everybody say, that's me, will do the same works I have done and even greater because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. And then they must have been staring at him. Not, not you, you're Texans. You, people even in the freaking men's clothing store understand the faith message. But you go to other states, they don't know that stuff. You say, they're like, so they must have been looking at Jesus like that. So when he finished, he said, he reiterated it. Yes. Ask me for anything in my name, and I not might do it, not sometimes I'll say yes, sometimes I say no, sometimes I say wait, ask anything in my name, and I'll do it. How many of you have followed our ministry for at least two years? We do 21 days of prayer and fasting to start the year. When I was doing, you know, I have points here. I have four of them. So I'm going to try to we'll just see what happens tonight. I'd like to cover this message. Say this out loud. Say, God has a flow. So what I do when we fast and pray, I'll have people ask me because what they teach people in church is that God, um, we should set goals. That's, I'm not against that. Somebody that sets goals is going to do better than somebody that doesn't set goals. But I'll have people ask me in December. What are your goals for the new year? I'll say, can I let you know at the end of January? Because I don't have goals. I pray in the spirit and fast and ask God to give me his assignments. Then it works super easy because it's like everything's just lined up. Because a servant doesn't tell his master what his plans are. A servant receives the plans from the master. Now, that doesn't contradict one thing I'm telling you. Because healing, I know, number one, 
God's word is God's will. So I know God's plan. Okay, for example, if somebody said, how many of you know we could die at any time? I don't receive that because it's contrary to what God said. He said with what kind of life? Long life, I'll satisfy you. 43 wasn't a long life in the 1600s. So I'm, I'm not dying today. Yeah, but Jonathan, the words, the Bible says no, nobody's promised tomorrow. That's right. But in lieu of the rapture, I will be preaching tomorrow night. Can you say amen? Sickness is not in God's plan. He didn't say go into all the world and be sick. He said go into all the world and heal the sick. Cast out devils. Not get oppressed by devils. Cast devils out. So I know that general plan. But then you have what's called the rainbow word of God. Where God... See, there's no scripture about where my church is to be located in Pittsburgh. There's no scripture that talks about Fort Worth, maybe in the Mormon Bible, but not in the, the actual Bible. There's nothing about that. So then, yes, I have his general. There's no scripture about the name of the Puerto Rican I was supposed to marry. Those are things you get by the Spirit. See, and then just so to make sure we run out any nuts since we're starting a new church, say this out loud. God's voice will never contradict God's word. Lord spoke to me. I'm to leave my wife and marry this other one. No, he didn't. He said, what I've joined together, let nobody tear apart. Can you say amen? So you don't, you don't say cuckoo stuff. You got to stay in the bounds of the Bible. Lord spoke to me to not work a job. No, he didn't. He actually said in his word that you're to work a job. Lord told me just to spend time in the presence of Abba. No, listen to Abba and go get a jabba. Amen. Go earn money. Stop needing to ride to church. Be a plus, not a minus. Can you say amen? So God's voice is never going to contradict his word. But as you get in the flow, and this is kind of the, the, the facet of faith I want to deal with tonight because I feel like we have a more mature crowd. That faith isn't just rudimentary like applying mathematics. Faith is born of the spirit. With the heart, man believes under righteousness. So there is an element. You can't have faith divorced from the Holy Spirit. That's the problem that's happening right now with some so-called faith churches. They want to explore faith, but they don't want any manifestation or flow of the Spirit. It doesn't work that way. Faith comes. Faith is born out of the Holy Spirit. So you fast and pray. Well, you watch me in January 2023, uh, this year. What does the Lord speak to me is the theme for this year. The righteous shall possess the land and dwell therein forever. We break the fast January 22nd in that night service. I get a text message at five in the morning from people that had been there for one of the meetings that said we have 24.8 acres of commercial land and we turned down an offer from a hotel developer and we want to give it to your church. It's already zoned to be a church. Now, whatever anybody, whatever anybody wants to say, I would have a hard time thinking that that was luck. And I would also, for all my friends that don't believe in prosperity, I'd have a hard time believing the devil did that to help me. You know what? Jonathan's a good guy. Let's help him build a church for Jesus. No, the devil doesn't help people build churches. Can you say amen? So even if you don't believe in prosperity, you'd have to think that there has to be. And by the way, this week I was talking to the people that donated the 24.8 acres. They're like, when you tell people we gave it, tell them the blessing has been ours. That God's done great things in our family since then. Yeah. So everybody wins when they get in the flow with God. Can you say amen? I'm telling you, you're going to win some victories before the end of this year. 
October, November, and December, I see everything turning around for your good. I said, I see everything turning around for your good. If you believe it, shout amen like thunder. Amen. amen. So then, you know, if you'd have talked to me in January and said, have you ever thought about starting a church in Fort Worth? I'd say, no. What do you think the chances are that you'll ever start a church in Fort Worth? Minus a hundred. Zero. And if you'd have talked to me three years ago and said, have you ever thought about starting a church? I'd have said, no. Would you ever start a church in Pittsburgh? Not in a million years. I have a grandfather and two uncles who pastor. So I'm not an evangelist who thought that pastoring, if you get tired of traveling, you go take a church. Pastoring is work. Can you say amen? Oh yeah, when you're an evangelist, it's great. And I'm not knocking it. I'm still an evangelist, so I hate when pastors take shots at evangelists. But when you're an evangelist, if somebody's having a problem, you pray for them and help them out. And then you go home and chill. But when you're a pastor, they won't go away. They show up in your yard and stuff. You close the blinds, but they know you're in there. So I, I had nothing in me. I think, I think it's one of the reasons why I'm enjoying a nice run with the Lord right now is I don't have any ambition. I used to, but I set such small goals for myself because I expected so little out of myself, I accomplished all of them already. I wanted to have a meeting in, in uh, America that had 10,000 people in a crusade. I wanted to have an altar call where a th over 1,000 people came to the altar call. And I wanted to have a multi-week revival where the church was packed out for multiple weeks. Those, that's like the only things I ever wanted to accomplish. And I, I, by the grace of God, we did. So now I think, now that all the ambition's gone and I don't have any plans or goals, it just gives me the ability to hear the voice of the Lord. Okay, start a church in Fort Worth. You got it. If you'll help me, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. But I'm not sure. How many churches do you think you're going to start? I have no plans to do anything except fulfill God's assignment for my life. Now, having said that, because yeah, I, I, I believe the same thing. Yes, but you will never fulfill God's plan for your life without faith. Because without faith, it is impossible, not difficult, impossible to please God. How can you people talk about faith all the time? You can't get saved without faith. You can't please God without faith, and you can't do anything without faith, the Bible says. Can you say amen? Ask me for anything. So where does all this unbelief teaching come from? It's an attempt of the devil to get you to not ask for anything or to feel bad for asking. I was listening to a guy. There's a preacher that I like who I'm friends with. And I don't want to say his name because then you, you could look up who the next person I'm talking about and it's negative and I'm not looking to run anybody down. But um, he was preaching somewhere. So while I was getting ready to preach, I like listening to people who stir my spirit. So the pastor gets up before this guest speaker is going to speak and he goes, how many of you know we shouldn't come here tonight looking for a healing? We should come here looking to serve God. Um, number one, you can't serve God dead. And you can't serve God well infirmed. If I'm choking up blood from my lungs right now, no one's going to come up to get hands laid on them, and it's going to be very difficult to preach. 
If my lungs are operating at 60% capacity, how am I going to preach? You need, it's, <laughs> you need a healthy body to carry out the work of the Lord. Receive a healthy body from heaven. Receive a quickening touch in Jesus' mighty name. Put a marker in John 14. So now I'm bringing up that guy because you hear people say words like that all the time. Say, say something with me right now. Say, ask whatever you will, and I will give it you, that your joy may be full. Well, if that's true, and it is, and the devil knows it's true, then it would make sense that he would focus putting unbelief in people where they feel bad for asking God for anything. So if somebody came to that meeting sick, that pastor literally took, I don't know. So then why did you have him a healing evangelist? And I'll tell you, he was on the front row amening everything that preacher was saying. So people go into this like religious unbelief autopilot. We're going to take an offering. How many know we don't give to get? How many know money's not important? It's like, I don't even think that, it's like they have like religious Tourette's. But instead of cursing, they vomit out unbelief. How many know we don't give to get? Uh, you sow to reap. And Jesus, Jesus is not somebody that taught people greed. But he said, Give and you shall. Your gift will what? Come back to you. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. I will cause men. That's Jesus speaking about offerings. I will cause men to give into you. So then who are you as a minister to countermand what Christ the head of the church said? So far, this is my favorite night of the whole week. I'm just looking over the crowd. There's... There, you can see the Lord starting to sprinkle in like top people. And together, we're going to bust the devil's head from now till the rapture. I'm not blowing smoke. The Lord is going to use us in this last state to remind the devil, you did not win 2,000 years ago. The stone got rolled away. You couldn't keep our Savior down. He has the victory, and he gave that victory to the church that is his bottom. If you believe it, shout yes. Turn to James chapter 1. Brother Troy, once you get James chapter 1, let me read it out of your better Bible. I just have like a precious moments Bible up there. Mostly sketches. James chapter 1. Verse 5. If any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God. Do any of you lack something? Let him ask of the what? The giving God. Somebody say, God is a giver. You want to know what the Bible actually says about that? It says, if God would not withhold his only son, how much more will he give us all the other things to richly enjoy? Now, if you're spending an extra hour to work, an hour back from work because you don't have a car and you take the city bus. And you that's two hours a day that you want to spend with your children. And something rises up in you and says, Lord, I don't know how because I've got no credit and no cash. But I would like to have a car to spend more time with my family. If you ask for that, do you think God's going to go up in heaven and say, listen, I was willing to give you my son to be tortured and killed. But the car is a little much. No, 
if you want to withhold the best thing you had, how much more will it give you all these other things to richly enjoy? Can you say amen? But say, I have a giving God. And by the way, while I'm at it, it's the only religion, the one you're in right now, where the God claims to love the people that serve him. None of the gods, 300 million Hindu gods don't give a poo about anybody that's following them. Read it in their own writings. If you're watching, I'm not knocking. I'm telling you, they would tell you that. You give the offering in every other, literally, I'm not over speaking. In every other religion, the God is like the IRS. Do what we tell you and we'll leave you alone. But if you don't do what we tell you, we'll curse you. There's no blessing for serving other gods. Allah promises his followers nothing. Buddha followers promises his followers nothing. But God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a blesser. In blessing, I will bless you and multiply your seed. He's actually looking. He's looking for who to bless. Giving God who gives to everyone. Man, what a verse. This was the only verse in the Bible I'd get saved. Who gives to everyone. Gives to who? Well, Brother Jonathan has a special gift. Brother Michael has a special gift. You know, they're, they're, no, God, faith key number two, Acts 10, 34 and 35. I see very clearly that God is no what? Boy, it's great to be in Texas. You don't even need a Bible. Everybody can quote it verbatim. God is no what? You don't, you don't care what color you are. doesn't care what your background is. God sees two colors, faith. I'll say three colors, faith, indifference, and unbelief. I don't believe that. Then you won't get anything. I think there's some truth in that. You won't get anything. But when he finds somebody that has faith, when somebody reaches out with their faith, he don't care what color you are. He doesn't care what you've been through. He doesn't care whether your mother was married when she had you. When God sees faith, he'll move heaven and earth to get to that person. I see the Lord's hand headed in your direction tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Go ahead, take 30 seconds and celebrate ahead of time. I've got faith. i got faith. Say it out. Say it so the devil can hear you. Say, I've got faith. And I'm not ashamed of it. Say, I have the Holy Ghost. And I'm also not ashamed of it. My grandfather pastored a Pentecostal church up in the state of Maine. And they had an ecumenical meeting. That means all the pastors from the area got together. And three of the other pastors that were sitting with him for lunch, they said, Brother A.E., if you weren't Pentecostal, what would you be? And he said, ashamed. Everybody say, I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. Say, I'm not ashamed of the message of faith. I'm going to tell you something that happened to me. I started to tell it the other night. I, um, there's a guy that I like a lot, and he would have me in to preach district youth camps in the Assemblies of God. So we were having great camps. And then we went out to lunch at this biker bar that had the best wings in Pennsylvania. We didn't sit at the bar. We went and got wings. So, but it was like a rough place. So we're sitting there and he said, listen, the superintendent of this district is not going to allow you to preach any more youth camps. I said, why? You know, I haven't got, uh, I, didn't, I didn't do anything. 
Somebody photoshopped me doing lines of cocaine. What happened? He said, no. He said that, that you got a reputation for being hyper faith. He said, and, and I'm not this guy that did this. He was trying to help me out. He said, but if I want to schedule a meeting with you and him, he said, I feel like if he talked to you, he would know that you're not hyper faith. So I was nodding my head. I was in my early thirties. I thought, no, that sounds like a good idea. Then something rose up in me. I thought, I don't want to have a meeting with some guy. Hey, I know you heard I have very strong faith. It's just an act. As soon as I take my sport coat off and go home, I just spout unbelief till I go to bed. I even mumble unbelief in my sleep. God bless the gift and the giver and those who have not to give. Lord, heal Mary. But even if it not be your will. So I thought that, I don't know. I don't really want to do that. But you know, at that time, you know, stuff hadn't taken off at all. Believe in God for meetings and nothing, nothing had really gone off the ground. I'm just like plodding along. You need meetings. You need a good relationship. So now you have a whole district in a main denomination that's going to blacklist you. That's not good. So this is all going through my mind. And I kid you not, this sounds like a, a made up preacher story. As that's all going through my head, nah, you know, should I do the meeting and acquiesce? This guy come, you know, uh, I wish my wife was here. I know, I bet you she's watching. She would tell you if she was here. I would pass the mic to her right now and she would say, anytime somebody or something has ever been sent to discourage me, within 24 hours, God did something like extremely supernatural to encourage me. You know that's going to happen for you tonight? If you came in here discouraged, in fact, some of you, if you check yourself, you've already getting encouraged by the Holy Ghost. The devil has sent people to go out of their way to knock you down, but there's a lifting up tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. So as that's all going through my head, this guy that looks like he's from Central Casting in Hollywood for the chef at a biker bar, shaved head, goatee, white apron that looks like it has like a sawed off shotgun underneath it. Walks out and in a gruff voice in central Pennsylvania, he goes, I heard your voice from the kitchen. Are you Jonathan Shuttlesworth? And the look at, you know, he wasn't smiling. He went like this, are you Jonathan Shuttlesworth? So I said, why do you ask? I'd be happy to be Teddy Shuttlesworth or Tiff Shuttlesworth for 20 minutes. He said, no, I know it's you. He said, you remember, um, I don't know if you had already moved. You remember in Dillsburg after we had that three-week revival when Pastor Mike put the tent up for Easter? So we got witnesses. So that meeting, this guy said, my wife came to your tent meeting for Easter when you were preaching. She gave her life to the Lord, and she listens to you every morning on YouTube and plays you full blast. And he said, I ended up giving my life to the Lord. And he said, I, I, he said, I didn't go to church or anything. Like, yeah, no, no kidding. So he goes, I just felt to tell you, keep doing everything exactly how you're doing it because regular people wouldn't reach somebody like me. And then when he said that, he turned around and walked away and I gestured to my friend and I went, continue. As he was telling me to alter what I do, 
A guy came out from the back and told how he got saved and said, don't alter what you do. I'm telling every man and woman that's here, everybody that's watching online, if the devil's trying to steer you down the path of unbelief, I'm going to take the role of that biker chef and push you back on the inner state of faith. Because the devil knows if he can get you off of faith, he can get you off of your destiny. But that sucker failed tonight. You're going to do everything God calls you to do. You're going to be everything God called you to be. Not by might. Not by power, but by the Spirit of Almighty God. If you believe it, shout amen like thunder. Let him ask the giving God, who gives liberally to everyone, and ungrudgingly, without reproach. Boy, this is, in a way I shouldn't have read this verse because I'm going to have trouble doing anything else tonight. If any of you is deficient in wisdom. But remember, there's a general prison principle here because it's saying ask God. So the principles go all the way around. Salvation, healing, they were all done in one work. If you lack, ask God. Who gives to who? Everyone, liberally. That means he'll give you more. How many kids did Hannah ask for in 1 Samuel? If you check up on her two chapters later, she's an Irish Catholic lady with like nine kids. Everybody say liberally. Who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly. How many people do you know that when they pray, it's like they're trying to talk God into it? Oh, Lord, you know how Sister Mary served you? Now she has this diagnosis. Oh, Lord. Well, he's not. He doesn't need talked into it. It's his nature. Say it out loud. My God gives ungrudgingly. With Then second, without reproach. Lord, you know I was an alcoholic for 28 years. I'm going to ask you for this one thing. And I promise if you'll do this, I'll, you'll never, I'll never ask you for another thing. Somebody screwed you up to think that God's some violent, tempered stepdad that doesn't care about you. He not only gives... He gives without fault-finding or reproach. You know what an alcoholic I am? God is not thinking about, no, he's actually in heaven going, no, I actually don't until you brought it up. Because I not only forgave you, I cast your sins as far as the east is the west, buried in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. Say it so every religious devil can hear you. Say, I'm not a sinner. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Faith principle number three. Faith won't work if you consider yourself a sinner because you won't have the boldness that it takes to go before the throne. You have to have a mind that's divorced from that I'm a sinner. No, I was a sinner, but the sinner is dead, buried in the ground with Christ. When Christ got buried, nevertheless, I live, but it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. I'm not a sinner. I'm not a bastard. I'm a child in the family of God. You're not a sinner. You're not a bastard. You're a child in the family of God. Somebody say, no reproach. He doesn't ungrudgingly, without reproach, and without fault finding, it will be given to him. Not it might be given to him. Say it will be given to him. Yeah, no fault finding. God's not going to go, hey, you think you are? You come to the church one night? You think you can ask me for that? God doesn't have a Subway card from Subway sandwiches that gets punched in the 10th time you get a miracle. 
God's miracles are not in a customer loyalty reward program. In fact, you can go to church for 40 years and have nothing to show for it. When that woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus and got healed, was she the only woman that was touching him? No. There were so many people touching him that when he said, who touched me? The disciples said, who touched you? If you're going into Cowboy Stadium, what, AT&T? If you're going into AT&T through gate A, and you say, who's touching me? Who's touching me? They're going to put you in a mental institution. There's a great crowd that's pressing in on you. So when Jesus said, Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? Uh, master, lots of people are touching you. You're in a big crowd. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate it. No, someone deliberately touched me. For I felt healing power go out from me. The woman, Mark chapter 5, trembling at the realization of what had happened, acknowledged that it was her. And Jesus said, who do you think you are trying to take a healing? It's my, I determine who gets healed. Daughter, be encouraged. Your has made you. Well, I guess we don't need a Sunday school program at this church. We'll just stick with Sunday mornings. Now, just for my friends that are having a $300 a man conference in Southern California to knock healing. We believe the Holy Spirit did those things in the first century, but then after the Bible was completed being written, the Holy Spirit was taken back off of the earth. Or his, his, the miracle gift ceased after that. Okay, let's say I concede that to you. Did Jesus say, daughter, be encouraged, the Holy Spirit made you well? Did Jesus say the Holy Spirit made you well? No. Daughter, be encouraged. What your what has made you? So... The Holy Spirit didn't do it. Her faith did it. Has faith been taken off the earth? I hope not or we're all going to hell. Because you're not saved. You're saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God lest any man should boast. So if faith got taken up too, we're all going to cook in hell for eternity. But faith never has left the earth. Faith never will leave the earth because every man has been dealt the measure of faith. And faith has the capacity all by itself to pull on God's power. Can you say amen? No fault finding and not it might be given. It will be given. Only it must be in faith that he asks. Look at all this faith talk. There's a caveat here. I believe God knows my heart. I know Jonathan preached for two hours on faith, but I, don't, I think God just knows your heart. Yes, he wrote a massive book because he just knows your heart. You know, just throw all this out. That's the people that serve a bro God. You know, bro, God, God's not big on that kind of stuff. No, he's actually very big on it. He wrote a bunch of spiritual laws that tell you how things work, and it doesn't work outside of the laws. So what does it say as a caveat? It must be in faith that the man asks with no wavering, hesitating, or doubting. For the one who wavers, hesitates, and doubts. You know, I feel called to go on a missions trip to Namibia, but then another part of me wonders Double-minded. No wavering. For the one who wavers, hesitates, and doubts is like the billowing surge out at sea that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. 
Let not that man expect to receive anything he asked for from the Lord. There's a Pentecostal theologian. Thank you. That's in heaven now. His name was Finest Dick. His note at the bottom of his Bible under that verse is super powerful. It says very simply, like in one sentence, it's as certain that the doubtful man will not receive his request as it is that the man of faith will receive his request. The Bible actually guaranteed you there that there's a certain way to act that it guarantees that man should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Part of me believes that God will heal me, but then part of me thinks, you know, I've also heard people teach that we have to suffer. You know, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Job, what about Job? So the devil, the devil through unbelief sows a bunch of teaching like that. So you can never get 100% on track with him. Now, I like Jonathan. I like how when he sweats, I believe those marks on the suit coat are angel's wings. But then I also have been listening. You know, we also have to remember that, not, you know, we don't always get at this side of heaven. Let me just, while my blood pressure is slowly rising, let me get something off my chest. I was at a group. God knows how I ended up at this place because I've done everything in my power behavior-wise to not get invited to anything. But I'm at this room at a very, and I'm saying this not to brag. I'm saying it because it's important to the story. I'm in a club, a private club that I could not go back to right now. I could only be there for that day. I'm not a member. They're not accepting new members. It's like an old money club sitting at a table in this castle looking place. And there's all these ministers from all these different denominations sitting there. And so this guy is talking about, it's, it, it's, a, it's a Christian leaders meeting. It's a Judeo-Christian faith meeting. So these leaders are all talking, right? And this one pastor, Baptist guy that's in his 60s, he's a strong guy. He goes, um, the governor said we have to shut our church down, but we kept ours open. He said our church has tripled since we did that. Everybody say faith. Do you know, isn't it interesting that faith is not inherent in any denomination? You had full gospel people close their churches down for COVID. And I heard a number of Baptist people that on paper don't believe in healing say, we're going to keep our church open. And I believe that God will protect us from this disease as we do what he tells us to do. Oh, do you? Be careful. You're going to get on my team. Isn't that interesting? That just having, just going in line with their calling, they had faith. So that's what that Baptist guy testified. It was awesome. Our church tripled. He said, and I know of a number of other people that their church, same thing. Their finances are the highest they've ever been. The attendance is big. They have to do a new, new building. I said, like, yeah, I like this guy. Then this other guy. Did you know even when he was halfway through his sentence, I was almost bleeding because my wife took her work of art nails and had them plunged into my thigh under the table because she knew I was about to get us thrown out of there because we had already eaten. So we were on to the boring part anyway. I've gotten, well, I don't know if I should say this. I've gotten kicked out of a lot of places and a lot of them permanently. If my wife likes going to a store a lot, I try to get kicked out because then when my wife goes, you want to go to the store? I go, I'm not welcome back there for another year, they said. So I was fixing to do the exact same thing at this place because when that, I'm telling you, maybe it's something I need to work on, 
when somebody, somebody can attack me, I don't feel it. If somebody starts attacking my father that's in the ministry, it's like anybody could write anything they want on my social media. I enjoy it. If I see somebody take a crack at my dad, I almost go Old Testament. Change into a camel hair robe, tape on a fake beard, and start going at it with somebody. And then the other thing is, if somebody knocks faith and the reward system of God, it really bothers me. Like, enough that my wife knew. She's going like this on the table and looked over at me and went like this. And I remember what she whispered to me. She went, this isn't our thing. In other words, this is somebody else's thing. I took that under advisement, but was still thinking. The temple wasn't Jesus's thing on paper. This, this jerk cuts that guy off testifying about how the churches that stayed open are all getting busted. But we need to remember that there's also nothing but the promise of persecution. There's also the promise of persecution. And many of us, many of us, now you've included me, many of us won't, re won't receive any of that blessing on this side of eternity. We'll receive it next side. As he cuts a piece of filet mignon at a private course and goes to take a bite, it was all I could do. I'm telling you, I'm not saying it after the fact. I've done it before. I will do it again. It's all I could do. If jihadists stormed into that room and decapitated every last one of us, I've lived 15 lifetimes of blessing in 43 years. How do you have the freaking gall to sit in a private club, an old money club that you have to have, I don't know, nine-figure income to be considered to be a member, and you've been invited in as a preacher, and you're eating free steak. It was a free event, and you got a roof over your head. Have you ever been overseas? Have you ever been to a third-world country? You sit on that plush chair telling people, some of us will never. You effeminate liar. You're enjoying the highest level of blessing as you speak about blessing. Got some jerk that's going to write on YouTube tonight. I don't believe in prosperity. On a $2,200 laptop. Must believed in it at one point. Full of crap. We're going to have a conference to talk against prosperity and faith. It's $300 a person and $250 for children. Sounds like you believe in prosperity a little bit. Who do we make the checks payable to? The devil? Can you say amen? Pay to the order of Beelzebub. Oh, no. Let me tell you, you can, you can spout that junk all you want. There is a move right now, not coming. We're in it right now. This wave of faith and healing and blessing and the Holy Ghost, God is not going to allow this generation to go transgender and all that hellish crap. He's raising up a church right now that knows the God in whom they believe and knows he's able. Somebody say, I'm a part of that generation. Turn back to John chapter 15. I think people that don't say they don't believe in prosperity, I, I don't actually argue with them anymore, ever. I wasn't even going to argue with that guy. I was just going to yell at him and embarrass him and myself and my family. Then be escorted out by security. 
I don't argue with you because you don't have a theological problem. You, you have a low IQ or you have like a mental disability, a real one. How do you sit? Okay, let's say I'm reformed and I'm in a wooden church with beautiful woodwork and stained glass. And I'm telling people, how many of you know God doesn't always prosper? Where is your rear end sitting right now? Are you sitting in the dirt in a leper colony? People that don't believe in prosperity, their problem is not theological. It's that they are, they are ungrateful, unthankful people. God is a good God. I'm not trying to make myself some kind of super Christian. I'm telling you from my spirit, I am thankful to have clothes on tonight. I'm thankful to have shoes on that fit. I'm thankful that I didn't have to walk to church and get beaten by Pakistani military to get into the building. I thank God for what he's given to me and my family. I thank God for food to eat. I thank God that I got Uber Eats. I can order anything I want to eat tonight. You know who did that? God did it. When I go in that back room and they stock the refrigerator with my favorite drinks, which I never even asked for. You just did it, I guess. And then I don't even know where I'm staying because I don't care. I come down to start this church and they, I have a leased home in Southlake. Because if you're going to get hotels, might as well just buy Southlake. Much as I'm going to be down here. So, my, so Patrick, that runs our finances, leased me a home with a swimming pool. I never had that. Adolphus and I lived in a tiny apartment for a long time with cockroaches and couldn't pay our rent. Then I opened the refrigerator and my staff put all my favorite drinks in there. I, I lifted my hands and thank God. He's a good, and that's why. When I hear people plant the idea in people's head that he's a hard master and a mean God and he withholds good, it ticks me off because God is a good God. You can cut my head off before you get me to say the opposite. God is a good God. Jesus is a wonderful savior. The Holy Ghost is is a wonderful comforter. He'll be better to you than you'd be to yourself. God is a good God. And I want you to know him. He's a good God. He'll heal you when you're sick. I said he'll heal you when you're sick. Then he'll make it where you're never sick again. He'll bless you when you've got nothing. He takes the beggar from the dunghill and sets him among princes. There's nothing you're going through that the answer's not in God. And there's nothing you can ask him for that he'd tell you to shut up. God's not up in heaven going, shut up, I've done enough. He's the one that's in his word. Ask, ask me. Stop running to everybody else. I'll be your healer. I'll be your provider. I'll be your peace. I'll be your joy. I'll deliver you from drugs. I'll heal your marriage. I'll heal your children. He wants you to ask him. Stay on your feet. I'll, I'll wrap up. I'm going to be here for 21 days. Somebody say, he's a good God. Say, God is a good God. And the devil is a bad devil. Now lift your hands, just begin to thank him right there. If you're filled with the Spirit, begin to thank him in the Spirit. If you're not filled with the Spirit, thank him in English, Spanish, German. You're a good God. We worship you. 
we bless you. Thank you for life. Thank you for... <laughs> what a mighty God we serve. What a wonderful Jesus. Fairest of 10,000, bright and morning star, lion of the tribe of Judah, great I am, prince of peace, king of kings, lord of lords. You're majestic. What a privilege to be your child. What a privilege to be your son. What a privilege to be your daughter. By redemption, born into your own family, born into God's own family. What a wonderful God. Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name, Master, Savior, Jesus, that all heaven and earth proclaim, kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name, Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name, Master, Savior, Healer, let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about. Before, before you sing that song, Sister Clarita, I'm not better than anybody, but that is a difference between me and a lot of people. I don't see that there's Jesus and salvation in heaven, then there's healing, then prosperity. It's all in him. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, the law of substitution. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was very rich, he became poor, that by his poverty he would not meet your needs, make you rich. Where are we holding this meeting? You couldn't have this meeting in a nicer building. But you know who did this? The Lord did it. I give him all the glory. I preach in the rain. I preach on the beach. I preach out in the grass. This is nice. I thank God for it. I thank God for a sound system. Can you say amen? Look what the Lord's done in week one. I thank God for you. You know, one of the people asked me in the store, where do the people come from? I said, I'm still trying to figure that out. Look at the Lord. So you think I take it for granted you being here? That's why I give it 100%. Work from, take your kids to school at 6.30 in the morning. Work from 5 till 7. Come over here straight from work. You are a blessing. I said, you are a blessing. You're a sign. You're a giant middle finger to the devil that after $10 trillion of public school education and movies and Viacom, there is still a remnant that has not bowed to bail or kissed his face. Hallelujah. Man, I don't know if anybody got anything out of tonight, but I, 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 I got the most out of tonight of anybody. Something's breaking loose in my spirit right now. Brother Jonathan, what do you do between the time of when you give and when you're waiting for your, your harvest? What the hell's wrong with you? I mean, waiting for your harvest. You 
live? How are you going home tonight? Are you walking 10 miles like they do in other countries? Getting accosted by kidnappers and police. When you lose gratitude, you say some dumb stuff. Thank you for life. How about thanking God that nobody carried you to the toilet today? How about thanking God that you washed yourself? My grandfather used to sing this old Pentecostal song. I got shoes on my feet. I've got plenty to eat and a home in heaven by and by. I'm telling you, the old, that's, that's like the dumbest song when I was 13. And at 43, I feel like I get it now. Thank you for shoes. Thank you for clothes. Thank you for a, a flushing toilet. What do you do when you're waiting for your heart? You're, you're, you have a, some angel should slap you. Oh yeah. That's what got them bitten by vipers in the wilderness. It's raining free food every day. There's a cloud to keep the sun off of God gave them an air conditioned unit in the desert and fire by, by night because it gets cold in the desert at night. Somehow I was in an Arizona diamondbacks game last week. It was 86 and I was chilly. Desert's a weird place. God heated them at night and then put cloud by day to keep the sun off of them and moisture so they wouldn't bake. And the Bible says there was not one feeble amongst the tribe. Not nobody was sick. Nobody was sore. Everyone could walk when the cloud moved. Everybody could move. And if God could do that under an old covenant with worse promises, how much more can he bless us now? Got shoes on my feet. I've never waited for a harvest. I'm actually just caught up in thanking God for, I've told the Lord, if you never did another thing for me. Now, that's a scriptural impossibility because he, he loves and he loves to give. The giving God, James chapter one. It would say, I serve the giving God. If you never did anything for me, you've given me, I could, I could exhaust 20, 85 year lifespans and not do justice in giving you thanks and praise for all you've done. My mother was on her way to hell in a family that didn't go to church. Dad died of cancer at 15. Somebody handed her a track at the mall in New Jersey. Put it in her pocket, thanked the kid. Goes home that first Christmas without her dad. Pulls her the track out and reads it and prays the prayer at the bottom. And she said, I felt like heaven came into my room. And I came down and hugged my mom. I said, Mom. I asked Jesus into my heart and he came into my heart and my grandmother's response was she put her arm around and went there there honey it's going to be okay she thought she was losing her mind because her dad just died but she did she looked up churches in the um, phone book and because assemblies of God's under a she rode her bike 11 miles to go to church got plugged in went to Bible school met my father God did that God did that he saved my mother. Now all her sisters serve the Lord. You know, when we play that one video and you see me pray for that lady in the wheelchair, forehead to forehead. They drove her six and a half hours from New Jersey to get prayer. Her lungs were completely shut down, just enough to live. Couldn't eat food. Didn't have enough lung capacity to eat food or talk. I prayed for her. And then when I got done praying, looked like nothing happened, but it's impossible for nothing to happen. 
why we walk by faith and not by sight. I walked out with her and her son as they hoisted her out of the wheelchair like this and loaded her into the truck. I'm talking paralyzed. And I said, just thank God for what you got on the way home. I expect to see a good report. And they drove off and I was a little irritated because something, I, you know, I don't like that. Some, this should happen like yesterday. Then her sister works for Kenneth Copeland, worked for Kenneth Copeland's ministry. So she saw her on video getting prayed for and called her and said, now listen, try to do something you never could do every day. Even if it's just wiggling your pinky toe. Two days after prayer, she said, wiggle my pinky toe. I have a Swiffer wet jet cleaning all my floors right now. I've been out of the wheelchair for a day and a half. Eating food. She just painted a painting. Do you know who that lady was? That was my mom's last sister to get saved. All five daughters gave their lives to Jesus Christ. The mother gave her life to... We need to remember we don't always get the blessing. I, I, it, I want to choke you. How can you talk about God like that? Young people, when you go into the ministry, it's going to be hard out there. Is that what Jesus said? Come unto me, all you that are having it easy, and I'll show you how much life can suck. That's not a scripture. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you. I'm doing the most I've ever done in life, and I'm sleeping like a baby. When I get done playing Call of Duty at four in the morning this morning, I'm going to sleep like a baby. I don't feel that. I don't feel one thing I'm doing. You know what the offerings are this week? Neither do I. I don't even count them anymore. After, you know, after God's hooked you up for 20 years, it just becomes irrelevant. Just do whatever's best. Money's there. Plenty left over because that's what God said. Now, I'm going to tell you faith principle number four, and then I'll leave you alone. Any doctrine you preach and celebrate, God will allow you to enjoy the fruit of it first. I don't believe in healing. Hope you got insurance. But when you take a stand for divine healing and speak it, the water comes through the water pipe first and you get to enjoy it. When you take a stand for blessing, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. His anger is for a moment, but his tender mercies last for a lifetime. His blessing is to a thousand generations. In blessing, I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply your seed. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. I don't mean to keep bringing that guy up in New Jersey. But I'm telling you, when I hear somebody talk like that, that's a, it's one thing if you're a heroin addict. Like, like for, for example, if there was a fentanyl addict under the bridge in Fort Worth, life's hard. I know people talk about blessing. But I, never see it. I get it. You, you need, you don't know the Bible. You know, you need to get saved. You're a preacher, an old preacher. You're telling people we don't get blessed as literally as he's saying it, he's cutting a filet mignon with, with silverware. 
actual silverware. That silver. Live in homes. If you don't want to go upstairs to use the toilet, they got one downstairs for you. I'm waiting on my harvest. You have it. You have it. What? How about? I'm going to tell you something. When you give somebody five loaves of bread and two fish, and five thousand men need fed, not counting the women and children, who in their right mind thanks God for it? Just take it back. But Jesus took it and gave thanks for it. And blessed it. Until you thank God for what you have, nothing will ever multiply. I'm going to take it a step further. Until you allow yourself to be overcome with gratitude for what I, that's why I'm testifying. I thank God for saving my mother. I didn't have to grow up like people grow up on afternoon talk shows. I didn't have a lady from Judge Judy as a mom. No, I had a mom that taught me the Bible. When you pray, God, I have a mother who when I told her my junior year of high school, we read the Bible as a family and prayed. Jonathan, what do you want to pray for? What would you like God to do for you? I said, I don't have any friends at school. I'd like a a Christian friend. I I had friends. I won class clown with 92% of the vote. I made people laugh. I had... I was friendly with people, but when you're a Christian, you can't, you can only be so close to unsafe people. I can't go sit in a car and and smoke weed and listen to sublime every day after school. So, you know, when the school bell rang, I went home. I didn't have any friends. There were no Christians in that school. That's not a judgmental statement. It was in Maine. Nobody went to church. Catholics didn't go to church. Jews didn't go to synagogue. Nobody was really, it was the secularist thing you could be. They're great people, but they weren't me. I can't be, you know, I can only be so close. I'd like a friend. Literally. The next morning I'm in school and the principal comes on the intercom system. Can Jonathan Shuttlesworth report to the office? I was like, what the heck did I do? I just woke up. And I walk in there and and, uh, Mr. Sakara. Goes, um, hey, this is Scott. His parents just moved here from Michigan. Normally, we have somebody from the National Honor Society show new students around, which I was not on. <laughs> but for some reason, I felt to have you take him around. Be seated real quick. I'm going to testify a little bit. Somebody say, the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Hey, are you guys leaving? Like for good? Huh? Layover. I thought so. Let me hug you before you go. This, these, this couple, when I was in Colorado last week, that's the wedding that I did. One week married. Give them a big hand clap. I love you. I love you. I love you so much. Enjoy your honeymoon. I don't know who goes to church on their honeymoon. You're better than me. I never left the resort. I believe God's judging America. Okay, then explain why there's a couple that on their honeymoon on a layover at DFW decided to come to church till their plane left. People are hungry for God. You got people on the NFL network preaching better sermons than you'd hear in most churches. 
Can you say amen? God is on the move in America. God is going to shake this nation one more time. I said God is going to shake America one more time. From Boston, Massachusetts to Maui, Hawaii, from Wasilla, Alaska to Laredo, Texas, America shall be saved. The devil's not going to write the final chapter of U.S. history. If you believe it, shout a living amen. Great job, guys. Nice to not have a depressed white guy up there with an acoustic guitar. Love you. No offense, I'm, I'm also white. I thought, you, I thought I'd have you show him around instead for some reason. How come my old principal, for some reason, decided to pick me out of the whole class to show this kid around? I just prayed the night before for a friend. New kid at school, mid-semester. So I'm taking him around to my classes. He's nice. He likes sarcasm. So that, you know, I'm like, well, this is good. Then we get in, and he goes, where do you go to church? I haven't heard anybody ask me that in Maine, ever. I said, I, I said you go to church? Now, looking back on it, he probably felt like he was being persecuted because I was so in, like, awe that there was another Christian there. It was like being in North Korea and bumping into another Christian. He goes, where do you go to church? I said, you go to church? He goes, yeah. I went, what kind of church? Because in Maine, they got a bunch of weird churches with rainbow flags and stuff. He tells me what church he went to. It's like an actual Christian church. I went, you're a Christian? He goes, Yeah. You know, the way I was asking him, he probably thought, I'm like, I said, you're a Christian. He went, I am. I went, a real Christian. <laughs> yes. Then I like basically made him recite the Nicene Creed. <laughs> Honest to God, I was like, okay, because I've been in New England a long time. I went, you believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of God and appeared in the flesh to die for our sins, was buried in the ground, raised on the third day, never to die again, ascended into heaven and is coming back again. He went, yes. I went. Jonathan Shuttlesworth, nice to meet you. And then we became, now it's one thing to meet a Christian. I met all kinds of Christians that I'm not friends with. Me and him were friends, like from day one. We had fun, a lot of fun at other people's expense. I know they tell you the secret to happiness is learning to laugh at yourself, but take it from me. It's way better to learn to laugh at others with a partner. We had fun. Super fun. Then we keep in touch. He goes to, um, he went to Taylor University, a Christian school, played football. Uh, then one day I was preaching in Indiana, or I guess he was living with his wife. I hadn't seen him in like three years. And they said, turn around and shake hands with two or three people. I turn around and he's standing there. I saw you're only four hours away from my house. Thought I'd come see you preach. Went on to lunch after. He just contacted me this year. Stayed in touch. Still friends. God gave me a friend for life. In one day. His poor father got transferred and had to move so that God could answer my prayer. That's a fact. That's what God did for me. That's why I can't stomach listening to somebody say we don't always get our blood. God is... He cares about every intimate detail of your life. 
Now, I've got a, you know, I'm telling you such a dumb testimony like that. If God would give me a friend to enjoy making fun of people with quietly together during class, what do you think he'll do about your stage three cancer? He cares about you. If you don't believe in the blessing of God, you must be childless. If you as a father or a mother know how you treat your child. And Jesus said, if you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father not meet the needs? Give good gifts. Cue up the airplane video. We say give good gifts. I get so drunk thanking God for the little things. But they say, oh, if this kid's going to thank me for that, say it out loud, until I thank God for what I have. Nothing multiplies. I'll give you a second one. Say this. What, until I thank God for what he's done, it disqualifies me from receiving more. That's David's secret from the Bible. See, that's what, if any of my friends are hate watching me right now from anti-prosperity movements, that's what you don't understand about the prosperity message. You think we're teaching people to be dissatisfied with what they have and want more? It's the exact opposite. It's as you thank God for what he's done, it's a principle that then it begins to multiply and God gives you more. When you complain, vipers come and bite. When you thank God, heaven's resources come and multiply. Now, I'm going to tell you something as sure as I'm standing here in navy blue pants. Today is going to be the smallest that you ever are. From this day forward, God is going to multiply you. Doors are going to come open, left, right, and center. The Lord's going to, the same way God mobilized Scott Tyree to be my friend, God's going to begin to mobilize resources and people and move all kinds of things around. Now, let me tell you another thing. These three months, October, November, and December, to close out the year, they tried to collapse the banks this year which if you watched our New Year's Eve service, I prophesied. They tried to collapse the banks. They tried to reinstitute masks. They tried all kinds of things, and it all failed. The devil has shot himself out of bullets. These three months, you're going to see an acceleration. There's going to be a move of God that hits America. It's already hitting it right now. These are going to be the greatest 90 days that this nation has ever known. Churches are going to be birthed. Things are going to explode. Businesses are going to pop up from nowhere. You're not going to hear about it happening somewhere. You're going to get right in on it tonight. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. You're going to have the best closeout to a year that you've ever had and there's nothing the devil can do about it. Come on, if you receive it, take 30 seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God. Make the devil nervous. Hallelujah. Let's say it out loud. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. All I got to do is ask. You think it was hard for God to get me a friend? What'd you wait for your junior year for, genius? Could have asked me on freshman orientation day, and I'd have had you one then. Ask. That's why all these anti-faith preachers are going to answer to God, because they deaden people's expectations. God never deadened anybody's expectations. Ask of me. Ask me, 
And Asa had a foot disease and he died because he sought doctors instead of seeking the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Ask me. Don't go running around to everybody else. Ask me. This church has never taken a loan ever and never will. This ministry's never taken a loan. You know why? God said, if you come to me first, I'll make you the lender and you'll never borrow. You can operate on a different trail in life from today. I'm telling you right now, the last defeat that you saw is going to be the last defeat you ever see. No more ups and downs, just ups and ups from glory to glory, victory to victory and strength to strength. Come on, if you receive that, one more time, announce it to the devil. Your hand clap, your shout is announcing to Satan that his reign of terror is over in your life. Say it out loud, God's got a miracle for me. Dr. Oral Roberts used to say, every day there's either a miracle coming towards you or going past you. What he means is you need to be looking for them. You're looking for people don't don't discern it. God's never done anything for you. No, you're blind and stupid spiritually. God's never done anything for me. People don't pick it up. I ordered Uber Eats at my house in Pittsburgh because I don't know how to cook. My wife was out hunting or whatever. You know, one time this happened like organically. My wife was hunting all day. So I was going to surprise her with dinner when she came home. So I ordered it, got it all plated for when she said she was going to be home. And she got home two hours later than she said. And I was standing there. I said, you know, I'm, I had dinner and had it ready for you for two hours. And even, I thought, oh, my God, this must be what it feels like to be gay. <laughs> I've reversed gender roles. I'm like Caillou's father. I know, too far. You, you don't have to receive that part. I'm just throwing that in. I've had dinner ready for two hours. And I'm, if you're watching and you're gay, I'm not anti-gay, obviously, as you can tell from the sport coat. So relax. So what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. I was ordering Uber Eats. I have the setting set for them to leave it at the door. But for some reason, I paused my video game this one night in Pittsburgh and went down to go get it. As the guy walks up the sidewalk, he goes, are you Shuttlesworth? The guy was in his early 60s, 63. This is last year at this time, last fall. This is a true story. Are you Shuttlesworth? I said, I am. Who's your dad? I said, my dad's Tiff Shuttlesworth. He starts crying. I went to school, to Bible college with your father. I was in his class. And I've been away from God for probably the last 20 years. And I just asked the Lord driving yesterday to do something to get me back on track with him. And he said, this must be it. I said, did you know I just started a church in this city a couple of months ago? I said, why don't you get in? He said, well, I haven't been living. I said, yeah, I know. Let's take care of that and pray. I could use, yes, yeah, so did you finish all four years of Bible college? Yeah, I said, I could use you. Get, get, get forgiven and get back on track. That's what you prayed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my, this is a miracle. He actually falls down on his knees on the sidewalk and lifts his hands and thanks God. And I've never seen him again. Because people are too dense 
to pick up when God opens a door for him. But I thank God I'm not talking to those people tonight. I thank God that something started stirring on the inside of you that I believe I'm to be in this meeting. And God didn't bring you here so you could hear a speech or observe a sermon. He brought you here. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Something's coming alive in you right now that where the devil thought he was going to stick you for the rest of your life, you're going to break every shackle off of you. Every prison door comes open and you're going to go and do the greatest thing for God that you've ever done, whether anybody likes it or not. And you know who's going to get all the glory? Jesus is going to get all the glory because they're going to say there's no way you could have done that. So while I'm thanking God for pineapple juice, organic pineapple juice from my refrigerator and shoes, not even concerned. How do you pastor a church in Pittsburgh and Fort Worth at the same time? There was a guy that heard me preach. And where I was preaching, I wasn't even supposed to preach. I was sitting in the front row and they called, they asked, they texted me during the song service. Will you, will you speak tonight? And I went up and spoke. This guy ha happened to be there. And he comes up to me after and went, that was a great message. He said, you know, I have a, a private jet company, which at that point I'm listening. He said, uh, I just got a Falcon 50 that's being delivered to me, but it's going to take me about two years to get it ready. But when I have it ready in two years, I'm going to give you a call. Well, you hear stuff like that a zillion times. I have a settlement coming. My grandma's passing away. She's going to leave me 10 million. You're getting the tithe. You know, you don't, you never hear from the people again. So I didn't put much stock in it. Two years later, guy called right back. I checked him out. People know him. He's got a great reputation, big company. Right in the month that we're starting this church. Hey, remember I met you at the altar and told you about that Falcon 50? It's ready. So we take delivery of it at the end of this month. We have an airplane hangar for it because you can't just park it like in the back of Dollar General. They tow it or something. And then... Um, the Lord spoke to me to bless the people that work at the Pittsburgh airport where I was flying out of all the time. I would send lunch over to all the employees once a month. So they said, we're going to sell you fuel. And I can't say they told me not to tell because then other people could use it for negotiation. For low. Low. Just the fuel that the price they're going to give me is going to save me almost a quarter million dollars a year. And I don't have to fill up here because that, this jet has enough range to go to Fort Worth and back before it gets filled up. Now, I never spent one day fasting for that or praying for it or asking it. I just spent all my time saying, thank you, Jesus. You're going to find out when it comes to prosperity. It's more about removing the blockages than it is doing stuff. I'm trying to get it. No, still do that. Faith doesn't work by blood coming out of your forehead. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. You just basically get all the junk that's been loaded onto you. But how many notes are, I mean, from Bible college has to be the only place where they tell the people they're going to fail. I don't think they do that at plumbing school. I mean, you feel called to be plumbers here. Well, let me tell you, it's going to be hard out there. Those pipes are rusty. They don't want to move. Many of you will fail. There's no money. in it. They don't talk like that in other sectors. It's only in Christianity. I mean, you know, you don't have any money. You might not have any place to lay your head. How do you not have any place to lay your head? Any flat surface. I could stack up two hymnals and have a place to lay my head. 
Can you say amen? And once you get all that cleared out, some people like jets and homes, clothes. I just want Jesus. I know. But it never said you have to pick. You can have Jesus and not be naked. You have to pick between Jesus and clothes. Then you'll be alarmed to find out that Jesus will actually give you clothes you like. He's not dumb. You're dumb, not you. Some imaginary person I'm arguing with. Jesus is not dumb. While I'm testifying, I felt the Lord speak to me when I first got married to a Dallas. Quit spending money on clothes for, what, for until I tell you. And take all the money you spend on clothes and give it. Not to my ministry, to, to other ministries. So I did. Didn't buy any new clothes. Then after a little over a year, Adonis was doing Christmas shopping, and I was waiting in the car, listening to ESPN radio. And I felt the Lord speak to me as clear as day. Now you can buy clothes. Go to this, and showed me the store. I was, I was just sitting there. Adonis is buying clothes for my family. We don't have hardly any money. So there's a Burberry store. Well, that's the last place I'm going to go buy a suit. I can't afford. Do you ever go in a place? And they know you're too poor to be in there. It's like they can just tell some. They look at you, an extra security guard comes. That's that kind of store. I don't have any money. Hardly any. So I go into the store. The Lord's told me to go into the store. So I went, okay, I didn't say I have to buy anything. I'll go in. And then I see one beautiful suit that's in my size. Back then I took a 36 suit. It's like a suit that somebody that just got rescued from a prisoner of war camp would wear. So they only had one 36 suit, and it was there. And I took it up. It was like $1,400 back in 2006. Well, for me, that, that was like three rent payments at the time. I, I can't afford that. And the Lord spoke to me, buy it. Okay, easy for you to say. So I didn't know how this was going to work. I walk it up, lay it on the counter. Are you interested in this suit? It's a long story, but let's just say yes. She scans it. It says $1,400. It comes up $172. She went, that can't be right. Beeps it again, $172. No, that's not possible. It's again. You know these people that work at these stores, like, what's your problem? What are you, miss? are you married to Mr. Burberry? Just sell the freaking suit. You're getting paid the same hourly rate either way. This is not, she's literally going, this is not right. No, it's right. I feel like it's right. <laughs> you know, agree to disagree. So she calls the manager and goes, excuse me, this thing's messed up. You know, it's ringing up as 172. And the manager goes, if that's what it's ringing up for, that's what you have to sell it for. Ooh, thank you very much. I, I could afford that. So <laughs> it's a wonder my wife stayed with me. So I have that hanging up in the car when she comes back in the Burberry bag. She goes, what did you buy? I said, I got a suit from Burberry. She said, how are we going to live the rest of the month? How much was the suit? I said, it was $1,400. <laughs> then as she drew her knife out of her back pocket, <laughs> I told her the rest of the story. I'll tell you another story. You know why I'm telling you this stuff? Because there's, there's a flow to prosperity. If you quit blocking it with your mouth, 
not important to me. It is important to me. It's important to me that tomorrow night when I finish preaching, instead of sleeping here at night, and, that, and I'm not complaining. I know what military families go through and all that. I'm, I'm not saying I deserve it. I'm just telling you, if God said ask, and I'll give it to you, then start thinking big and be open to how big he is. I like, I like that tomorrow night when I finish preaching, I'll be home at one in the morning in Pittsburgh and I'll see my daughter because my wife has, different, has a weird way of raising children. I come home, my wife's serving dinner at like quarter to one on a school night with Spanish music playing. That's her. I'll see Camila. I'll spend all day Saturday. Think of it. Without the plane, I preach tonight. I haven't seen my family all week, which is fine. Military families don't see their family for 18 months, six months, whatever. I get it. Some people don't even have families. They passed away. I'm not saying I understand all that. But think, what does a preacher need a jet for? I don't need one. But God didn't say ask for what you need. He said, if you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to all who ask? So the devil tries to get you to feel bad for asking. But if you'll just get rid, you know what I'm going to impart tonight? Tonight, you're going to get delivered from the spirit of feeling bad, the spirit of guilt and shame and condemnation. And you're going to rise up and say, yeah, in myself, I don't deserve it. But God ransomed me. And if he gave me Christ, he also said he'll give me all these other things to richly enjoy. Come on, if you receive that, celebrate it one more time. Somebody shout hallelujah. So you think? There's no flights that leave from Dallas to Pittsburgh at midnight, 11 o'clock. So I, I would sleep here that night. If I went home, I would go home. There was an eight in the morning flight and, and get home for 2 p.m. So instead, I'll be home an extra 14 hours and then another, and it would be impossible to do Sunday in both locations. But the Lord did it. You think I care about jets? If I never left my home again for the rest of my life, I'd be the happiest man on planet Earth, right? Until I passed her, I didn't know one person in Pittsburgh. I never left the, I never shaved. I'm not looking to fly around to prove a point, but God, if you'll let him, listen to me. God, if you'll let him. Do you know why God had me quit buying clothes for myself and sew the money instead? He wasn't saying stop having new clothes. He was saying, I'm going to help you to quit buying cheap crap. Instead of you making it happen with your money, put the loaves and fishes in my hand. Everybody will eat until full, and the baskets will come back to you. Burberry suit. Then I go preach for a guy just outside of Washington, D.C. This had never happened to me in my life. If you're watching uh, Brother Kevin, I haven't forgotten any of these people. I've been sending them all money because I've been spending my time thinking about who's helped me and doing everything I can to bless them. Amen? Guy says, uh, will you meet me for lunch on Saturday? I said, sure. So I meet him for lunch. He said, they said there's a 20-minute wait. Come with me. Takes me to a suit store in Georgetown, Washington, D.C. He goes, are you a size 36? I said, I am. He said, do you like any of these four suits? He already had them picked out with the guy. Like a nice suit store. $2,200 a piece, $2,500 a piece back in 2010. I never had a suit that was worth more than 300 bucks. Do you like any of these four? I said, I do. He said, do you like all of them? I said, I do. Took them all. Wrapped them on, laid a credit card down, and said, you'll preach in these suits all over the world. 
I'd never had anybody buy me a suit before. And he bought me four, $10,000 worth of suits. You know all I had to do? Receive it. Everybody say, receive it. Some people, they, you, they can't receive anything. Give them 20 bucks. Now, I couldn't. Receive. And thank God for it. Because when you receive, you're realizing God is going to bless the person that gave. I didn't ask him for suits, but if Lord put it on his heart to help me, I receive it, I'm blessed, and then the blessing comes back to him. And you say amen. I never thought about that word again that he gave me. And then when I took my first mission trip to India and I opened my suitcase, the first suit I pulled out to preach in, I had grabbed that one and it rang in my ears. You'll preach in these suits all over the world. I've never left America at that point. God's taken you somewhere. You know why God's having me preach this to you? To undo 38 years of unbelief or 42 years of your mother or father telling you how hard life's going to be. I'm telling you right now, you're not signing up for a hard life. You're signing up for the blessing. And though there are challenges, the blessings are greater than the challenges in Jesus' name. Get ready. I'll tell you a final time. Get ready for the best 90 days to close out a year that you've ever had in the name of Jesus Christ. Go ahead. One final time. Take 15 seconds. Clap your hands and shout. Somebody say friends. Say clothing. Turn to Genesis 28. Sorry, sorry that I got a second wind. What a great week. Genesis 28. Anybody getting anything out of tonight? Genesis 28, 10. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Aram. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Isaac. The ground you're lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Anybody God ever made a covenant with, he gave them land. It's all through the Bible. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They'll spread out in all directions to the east and the west, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I'm with you. And I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, which means house of God. Verse 20. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me, and protect me 
and provide me. Everybody say provide me. With food and clothing. Maybe you know you can get to a place in your spirituality where you don't care about things. No, not, not if you have a body. See, that kind of stuff sounds good in church. By 2 p.m. tomorrow, you're going to care about food because you need it to live. So was Jacob unspiritual? He's coming right out of a vision. And he said, you know, to be honest with you, God, I'm a little uneasy. I'm the only non-Canaanite, non-Philistine in this land, and they kill people that aren't one of them. If you'll protect me, you'll bring me back here and give me food and clothing then I will give you a tenth of everything I have. And he did it. And when he did it, that's called tying your faith to a vow. That's why at this church, we're not going to have boxes at the back. Turn to Deuteronomy 26. We don't talk about the offerings at this church. Yeah. Great that you're at a higher level spiritually than God. Deuteronomy 26. Harvest offerings and tithes. When you enter the land, the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession. And you have conquered it and settled there. Put some of the first produce from each crop into a basket. And bring it to the designated place of worship. The place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. Go to the priest in charge at that time and say. It was saying say. Jacob spoke when he gave. And then you're commanded as part of Abraham's lineage to say something when you give. What do you say? Go to the priest and say. With this gift, I acknowledge to the Lord our God that I have entered the land he swore to our ancestors he would give us. The priest will then take the basket from your hand and set it before the altar of the Lord your God. You must then say in the presence of the Lord your God, my ancestor Jacob was a wandering Aramean who went to live as a foreigner in Egypt. His family arrived few in number. But in Egypt they became a large and mighty nation. When the Egyptians oppressed and humiliated us by making us their slaves, we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. He heard our cries, saw our hardship, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and a powerful arm, with overwhelming terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land flowing with milk and honey. And now, O oh Lord, I have brought you the first portion of the harvest you have given me from the ground. Then place the produce before the Lord and bow to the ground and worship before him. Afterward, you may go and celebrate because of all the good things the Lord your God has given you in your household. Remember to include the Levites and the foreigners living among you in celebration. There it is, Genesis 28 and Deuteronomy 26. When you give, say. You're not supposed to just chip something off. This is not PBS where we're given some extra to keep Big Bird on the air and help a cause. When you give, you're, we were not wandering Arameans in a foreign land. We would make no sense to say that. But we were lost in spiritual Egypt, the world. And God brought us out with his strong right hand. So at offering time, your money is a physical representation that I've not forgotten. That we were lost in sin. My 
mother was lost. My grandfather was lost. But you brought us out with a strong right arm. And I bring this back to you to acknowledge it's not me that did it. You did it. And I give you the best because I know you did. When you do, that's a physical thank you to God. A seed of gratitude. Let me think of how best to phrase this before I leave you alone for about 20 hours. It would be impossible to give to the Lord and it not come back multiplied. It would violate several scriptural laws. By the way, for my friends that are watching from Southern California, Peter and John said, silver and gold have I not. Let me ask you rules of Bible interpretation. Can a narrative from a story ever override direct commands in Scripture? No. So you can't take Peter and John saying they're not carrying any silver and gold on them and use it to override 2,000 Scriptures that deal with Money stewarded properly with a heart of gratitude bring increase and multiplication in every area of life. Can't do it. It's against Bible. That's your own Bible laws. That's your own Baptist Bible laws that are correct. Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none. Yes, they did. Job's wife said, curse God and die. That doesn't override all the scriptures that tell you not to curse God and live. Not difficult. When you tie your faith in with the seed of gratitude, maybe after the Lord having me share all these testimonies, maybe tonight's a night. If you've been coming all week, I'm sorry that I'm fulfilling every stereotype. I see. He just wants an offering. God wants an offering tonight. We have all our bills paid with a few million in the bank. This is not me trying to get, you know, how many know there's expenses for running this building? Yeah, there are. I don't know what they are. It's all paid for. Those days are over. I don't even look at, I have people that look at it. If you're a contractor and you're watching, don't get the idea. You can just do what you want. I'm not worried about anything. Then I found out there's a few scriptures that say that's actually the way to do it. Don't worry about anything. Acknowledge me in all your ways and I'll direct your path. But there's people tonight and people watching online that need to sow a seed of gratitude to make up for words that have come out of your mouth that have been hard against God, like that guy at that private club. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Then secondly, there's people in the group with me, Brother Mike. Tonight's a night to give a seed. And put your faith in action for expectation of a divine harvest. Jacob didn't say, I give and don't expect anything in return. I mean, no, when we give, we don't give to get. I don't know what you mean. That's like a weird thing people say. Getting is not my prime motivation for giving. But I receive because God said, when I give, I'll receive. I told it before and I'll tell it again. And I'll never stop telling it. My life changed on a Sunday morning. Listening to Dr. Rodney Howard Brown and Jerry Savelle. I went to that service two years ago with the, with the 
predetermined action that I was not going to give anything because we had a $550,000 down payment due in the morning for our church building, 107 Patton Drive, Coriopolis, Pennsylvania. So as Pastor Rodney started to share the vision of his church and ministry, I felt like saying, best of luck. I also have my own thing going on. I wish you well. And as I sat there prepared not to give, the Holy Ghost spoke to me. You want to know how I know it was the Holy Ghost? Because I was prepared not to give. And I have a funny feeling Satan doesn't speak to me to help Pastor Rodney build churches. So that rules out two voices. Are you believing me for divine favor tomorrow when your people meet with the owners of that building? I think I know where this is headed. I am. Then so $100,000 into your father and the Lord's work and actually do what you tell other people to do, which is what you make happen for others. God makes happen for you. All right. I texted Patrick from our ministry. I said, I'm about to put $100,000 in the offering. I said, I, uh, I, I'm not doing this to show off. I'm fully aware that we have a big thing that, that's due tomorrow. But I really feel the Lord speaking this to me. He wrote, you don't have to say it to me. No, but I, I just want you to know, I'm not an idiot. I know that we have $780,000 in the bank and 550 is due tomorrow and we have people to pay. 40-some employees. I'm not stupid, but I'm telling you, the Lord spoke to me to do this. So, because that happened, I found myself mumbling in the front row to the Lord. Now I'm going to tie my faith with my seed. No, because the Lord put it. See, that's what giving directed by the Spirit does. When you just give what's easy in your flesh, there's no faith attached to it. But when you, to give that, I had to do it, Jacob. All right, Lord, I'm doing what you said, but I need you to do what you said and give me favor tomorrow. I'm, I'm mumbling that under my breath. I'm going to give, literally, I'm putting this in the offering right now. Like you said, I need you to come through for me tomorrow and give me favor in that meeting. In Jesus' name, amen. My faith was loose. Giving will, will trigger your faith if you do it right. So, I'm in Tampa Monday. I'm there for the whole conference, the one I'm going to be at at the end of this month. And Adalis and Magalis call me, the Puerto Rican wonder twins. And they're hooping and hollering. That's nothing new. You want to know what happened? They said, we met at the boardroom with that couple that owns the building. The husband grilled us about you. Did he shut down for COVID? Did he enforce masks? No. What do, what do you guys do? What's your ministry? They explained it to him. When they got all done, he said, how much does it say you owe today? 550000 You can keep it. Just pay me $10,000 a month for five years. That's a $5.7 million building. So when they told me, I went through the roof, but it wasn't over. Sent 10,000 in October, sent 10,000. Actually, I think we're about on, on the two-year anniversary. Maybe that's why the Lord's having me tell it. I think it's the two-year anniversary of what happened right now. Sent the first 10,000, October, sent the second 10,000, November 1st, sent the third 10,000, December 1st. Right around Christmas time, in walks the owner with all three checks uncashed and the deed to the building. 
I like what you're doing. You can have all the money back. Building belongs to you. And that's how you get a $5.7 million building for a $100,000 seat. And then it keeps multiplying from there. That building is 0.8 miles from the private airport in Pittsburgh. Now there's going to be a jet there. Play the video. That seed didn't stop. This is coming in two weeks. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus did that. When God speaks to you about a seed, he'll never speak to you about a seed without a harvest in mind. He's getting you to put something down. Can you imagine? I don't even like to imagine. Can you imagine if I had sat there that Sunday and said, Lord, we have 550,000 to do tomorrow, so go find somebody else. He would have. I'd be watching somebody else enjoy a massive harvest. A seed of sacrifice will take you in a handful of weeks where you couldn't get in lifetimes. That's what God will do. This thing took a turn tonight. If you hate offerings, you came the wrong night. I only preached on this stuff probably about two or three minutes all the other nights, talked about healing and miracles. But tonight, we're going to receive an offering of gratitude to the Lord. Have you ever thanked God? Well, I thank God with my talent and my time. Your money is your talent and time because it took the best of your talent and the best of your time to make the money. That's why it's precious to you. It's time away from your family. Tonight, we're going to properly thank God with an offering. We're going to take a Deuteronomy 26 offering. Father, with this basket, I acknowledge to you that I was a wandering Aramean in a pagan land and you brought me out. And I give this to you to acknowledge that I still remember who the source of everything I have is. Can you say amen? Ushers, pass out envelopes quickly. No pressure. That, if you beat up my guys and steal the offering tonight, that plane's coming either way. This is not an offering to pay for the jet. Jet's paid for. It's actually going to save us money from what's in the budget for. I did that to show you where God will take you. Because if you'd have bumped into me 15 years ago, I had a car that was unregistered because it was too beat up to get registered and I couldn't afford to get it fixed. Don't mind where you are now.
Find where you're going. This will put you on the right track tonight. There's people that are watching online that if you allow them, the Lord will speak to you to make a move tonight that will cause great growth and multiplication in the kingdom of God and bring something back to you and your family. You can literally change the trajectory of your family with one seed. No pressure. I don't count the offerings. I don't look to see who gave or didn't give. When your budget's $1.4 million a month, it doesn't matter. Everybody's stormed out right now. want to make a bit of difference. If God, if God doesn't do it, it ain't getting done. But God speaks to people to give, not so it can get done, because he wants to bless people. He doesn't want to work through gold coins and fish's mouth and ravens with bread and meat. He's not looking to bless birds and fish. He wants to bless people. Then you say amen. Father, I pray, even if it's for the first time, that people would clearly hear you, maybe for the first time. Put your finger on a seed. And as they sow it, and it provokes their faith to say something. What are you believing God for tonight? What do you want God to do for you? What, do you, what would you like God to do for your business? What do you need God to give you for a harvest? What would you like God to give you for a harvest? I can't find any employees to work. That's something you can commit to the Lord. God give you eight employees that are the best on planet earth. Eight Josephs that run circles around people. You can actually undo all the challenges people go through by tapping in. Tapping your faith into God's provision. Revivaltoday.com. You click give now if you're watching online. I'm believing that people are going to do something tonight that triggers a massive harvest for them. Thank you for blessing your people. I want you to write in the memo if you're giving online, if you're watching on YouTube or whatever. I want you to put in the memo or wherever it lets you do it. Seed of gratitude. Then same here. This is my seed of thanksgiving to God. You've blessed me. I'm going to give you time to fill out your offering. If you're watching online, revivaltoday.com, you click give now. Maybe you can leave it up on the screen. I want you to play. If you see that, uh, who has an offering envelope? What does it say on the offering envelope? Anybody have one? It says two things. Go ahead, you can say it. You're not going to get in trouble. Million dollar offering, billion dollar flow. Who do we write that for? For fun? You know where it came from? It came from the Holy Ghost in January of this year. Can you roll it, Nick, or you need more time? Turn it up a little. Praise God. Amen. I was just thinking of the verse of Scripture where the Bible says, And the Spirit of the Lord came in the midst of the congregation upon Jehaziel and said, The battle is not your battle, but the battle is the Lord's. 
Pause I'm looking at a Nick, modern translation. Grab that picture of, of us sewing to Pastor Rodney, too. You can keep playing. You're going to make it. Hallelujah. So if God's fighting a battle, you're going to make it. Hallelujah. The doctor tells you you're going to die, you're going to make it. If you wonder where the next dollar is coming from, you're going to make it. And it'll turn into a million. Hallelujah. If you wonder what you're going to do next, you're going to make it. Hallelujah. You're going to make it when nobody else is making it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The battle's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. He's never lost one fight. Glory. I'm going to make it. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're going to make it. Every day you wake up, you're going to make it. No matter what the world's happening tonight, we're going to make it. I dare you to say, I'm going to make it. Shout, I am making it. Right now. The battle. Not my battle. Basil, the battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. I'm making it right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I am making it right now. The singers are out ahead of us. I hear them singing. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. For his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord. For his mercy endures forever. Just today, the mayor of Atlanta sent me the contract for Turner Field. Hallelujah. I'm the only preacher they're letting in this year, they said. But I think I'm going to spearhead it. You go in there. Amen. Because the battle is not my battle. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. We're going to make it. Hallelujah. The mayor didn't know it, but he's going to make it. Hallelujah. What he made happen for me, God's going to make happen for him. Hallelujah. Last time I was there, the mayor was Hakeem somebody, and he took me for every nickel he could get. And there was a lady that helped me. Her name was Keisha Bottoms. And I got so happy, I said, Keisha, you're the mayor now. I'm making you the mayor. And a few months after I left there, they called and said she became the mayor in January. Amen. And she was the mayor the last four years. But now the guy that's there now, he's a spirit-filled brother. Hallelujah. The battle's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. I dare you to lift your hand and just say, Lord, I'm winning. I'm winning my battle right now. I'm making it right now. I'm not going to fail. I'm not going under. I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to let anything keep me down. I'm going to make it because the battle is not my battle. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Everything's turning around for my good. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey! 
we're making it right now. Oh, glory to God. Then look at your neighbor and tell him, you're going to make it, 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 you're going to make it. Hey, glory to God. You are making it now. Battle's not your battle. The battle's not your battle. The battle's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord said million dollar offerings, billion dollar flow. Hallelujah. For the years over, million dollar offerings, billion dollar flow. Pause it. Now you either believe the Holy Ghost speaks or you don't. When that happened, I didn't clap. I listened. Million dollar offerings, billion dollar flow. The spirit of the Lord says before the end of this year, million dollar offerings, billion dollar flow. Well, that's specific. So when I heard that, I thought, I wonder where Pastor Rodney's going to get a million dollar offering from this year. Then I decided, rather than being a bystander, to get involved. Father, if you'll get me to three million in the bank, I'll release the million. And it came in in six weeks. I was at 1.8 in the bank, an extra 1.2 with all bills paid came in. Where's the, where, uh, no, no, don't do it because I want to play the rest of the video. And we sowed it. And from that point on, I remembered the million dollar offering part, but I forgot about the second part, billion dollar flow. If I had a billion dollars in the, in the bank right now, we'd be having church in this building. If I had a billion dollars in the bank right now, I'd be flying that Falcon 50. I don't need you. There's bigger and better ones, but I'm not going overseas. That one's faster. It has a shorter air uh, landing, landing strip capacity. So I actually don't want a Gulfstream 650. I could only land at international airports. I couldn't land at municipal airports. It's the perfect thing for the mission we're doing. You want to know another thing? That Falcon 50 that that guy's given us? The top Falcon 50 mechanic in the world that gets flown to France to train Dassault mechanics lives in the county where my church is, found out about it, and said he's going to help me out. You'd almost think, boy, you get so lucky. If I was an atheist, I'd start thinking there was a God. It was a million dollar offerings. Billion dollar flow. We released that million to Pastor Rodney. I've had three million dollar offerings this year in a week. I had one in 20, 20 years. Three so far this year. And then billion dollar flow. Everything's easy. Doesn't matter. It's like, like you operate like the money in your bank's immaterial. Because the money in your bank, God, when you get out of Bible school, doesn't put 70 billion dollars and say, this is what you're going to need for the rest of your life. What you have in the banks, what you're entrusted with right now, but you're hooked up to a limitless supply. Everybody say billion dollar flow. Now, if you're here and you're a business owner, whatever you do, I'd start making decisions about not what's cheapest, not what I can afford, what's best. Father, I'm asking you to help me make a mark on my generation in Jesus' name. Watch what he does. Go ahead and finish the clip. You're going to make it. Hallelujah. You're making it right now. You're not even faking it. You're making it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The battle's not your battle. Hallelujah. The battle is the Lord's. Glory to God. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon you in the midst of the congregation. He'll spin you like a top. You'll run like a, a deer. Glory to God. The battle's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. There'll be a new wind and a second breath. Glory to God. Be a fresh wind from glory. 
Hallelujah. Take you around the world and up and down and all around. Oh, Pause. The battle's not then that comes from the Holy Ghost. There'll be a fresh wind from heaven. From the time Pastor Rodney got arrested till then, which is three years, he hadn't left Tampa. Except for a couple came up to preach for me in Pittsburgh, a couple other churches. He stayed in Tampa for three years. You know, he never said anything, but I have a feeling that would take a little bit out of you to get arrested, then have threats and people fire rifles at your church from the interstate for staying open during COVID, then them saying they're going to rearrest you. A fresh wind from heaven, you're going to go all around the world. You know, he's in the middle of a six-week trip through the continent of Africa, 10 cities in six weeks, welcomed by the kings, prime ministers, and rulers of every nation, having the best meetings. He told me on the phone, these are the best meetings I've ever had in my ministry. Yeah, pays to be in Holy Ghost meetings. You're not going to get that in an ark conference or a fundraising breakout session. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. Go ahead, finish it up. Your battle, the battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Did I tell you you're going to make it? Uh, thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. No more struggling, glory Amen. to God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And so I tell every one of you, you're going to make it. Look up to your elder brother Jesus right now. Say, Lord, thanks for helping me make it. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory. Our faith, our faith, our faith, our faith, our faith, our faith in God. Hallelujah. The battle is not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. As a dear man taught me years ago, Brother Shane, you don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God. All right, stand on your feet, everybody. Ushers, you can come forward. Lift your seat up before the Lord. I stand in agreement with you. Some of you never had anybody agree with you in your whole life as far as your faith is concerned. Just fight you, make sarcastic comments, and put doubt. But I stand in agreement with you. Some of you that I'm your new pastor, five days old. I stand in agreement with you as your pastor. If you're not a member of this church, I stand in agreement with you as your brother in Christ. For a hundredfold return on this seat, the same kind of return that came to me when I gave that night. I loose it because the, the tail end of this year is the wealth of the wicked laid up for the just. The kind of financial testimonies that you used to hear about once in a generation growing up in church, they're going to become the order of the day for people that are standing here right now. Just when you get ready thinking you've celebrated the greatest thing God's ever done, you're going to get hit with two more things before you get a chance to get the testimony out. That's going to be how we roll from now till the rapture. In Jesus' mighty name. I even feel a shaking right now in the political realm that the wheels are coming off of Pharaoh's chariot, that the World Economic Forum is failing, that the plans of the United Nations against America are failing, that God has heard the cries of his people from the United States and from Texas, and the Lord is visiting this country one more time. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 
Brother Gordon, I know you're protecting me, but step forward if you would. I'm going to pray for you. Put one hand where your heart and lungs are. Lift the other hand to the Lord. You look like the healthiest guy in here, and I'm sure you are, but the Lord's giving you a quickening touch in your body right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I would not want to be a catcher in Texas. For my friends at the conference in Southern California that say we push those people down, take a physics class. Everybody say God is real. Every hand lifted. 100-fold return. No one in this room is permitted to be where they are now when the clock strikes midnight on January 1st. These are three months of expansion and multiplication in Jesus' name. I know I've had you do it before, but as you have your hands lifted, just begin to thank God in the Spirit. If you're not filled with the Spirit yet, thank Him in English. Thank Him in your, your mother tongue. Everybody that's watching online, lift your hands, begin to thank the Lord. What you haven't been able to attain as of yet, the Lord's bringing it easily into your possession. In Jesus' name. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit RevivalToday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.